0: Good. Hey, my name is Sean. I want to welcome you. I'm the executive pastor here if you are new with us. Um, Obviously, Pastor Will is not here today, um, but uh, thank you guys for being here. And if you've uh, been around for a while and you know that Pastor Will normally takes a day off after um, a series, thanks for showing up because appreciate that. Um, Hey, today is a great day. It's a fun day. I hope you got big plans. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's a national holiday, whether our government recognizes it or not. Yes. And so, hope you're going to visit some friends, some family, you're going to get together, maybe we'll have some incredible food, maybe today is the day that you get off that diet you started in January, supposedly, you've been on. Because today is all about celebrating greatness. I don't know if you know it or not, but that's what we celebrate today. We hope that these two teams tonight play their greatest games they've ever played. We hope the players play, I mean, make some of the most incredible and greatest plays we've ever seen. And we hope that the commercials are the greatest entertainment that we see throughout the whole entire evening. It's all about greatness tonight. Let me ask you a question. And this may seem like a weird question, especially on a day like today. But is it okay as Christians to want to compete? Is it okay as Christians to want to set ourselves apart? To want to strive for the greatest we can possibly be? Because let me tell you something. There's a messaging that's going on that says we should be okay with being average. Go to any church league. We don't keep score. We don't. Because we want to be cooperative. We don't want to be competitive. And so there's this kind of rumbling. It's not really said. But there's this messaging that we should get away with this kind of old barbaric competitive spirit that we have, and we should just shoot for mediocrity. Look at Christian movies. I will to step on some toes here, but they're bad. You take the passion and the new series, The Chosen, and you put those over here because they're really competing. Everything else, what we call good, is way below what everybody else has their hit. So, I'm just going to tell you something. I am extremely competitive. I've always been that way. It's not so much that I want to win. I hate losing. (laughs) A win is over with like that, I forget about it. A lose, a loss, oh my goodness, it just hangs over me. I don't kick the dog or anything like that, but my wife will tell you I'm not very fun to be around for a few days. And I've always beat myself up because I couldn't give myself the same advice I gave others, and that is just get over it. Just get over it. But here's what I'm coming to learn as I get older. That competitive spirit is not to be gotten rid of. It's to be whittled and honed down and refined so it can be used to drive us to where God wants us to go. Because here's what I know. If we get okay with mediocrity, if we get okay with mediocrity, we got a problem. Because nothing worthwhile has ever come from mediocrity. There's a lot of people worried about influences outside the church hurting the church. The church will not be hurt by anything outside of it. We have more of a threat by being okay with mediocrity and letting it crumble down around us. So today, I want us to look at maybe where we went off base. I don't know if this one passage is where we missed it, but I think we've misunderstood a passage. And so it's taken on us a course we were never intended to go down. If you'll turn with me to Matthew 20, verse 20 through 21 story starts out like this the disciples and jesus are about to take a journey together and so before the journey begins this is what we find out then the mother of zebedee's sons came to jesus with the mother of zebedee's sons came with let's start over the mother of zebedee's sons came to jesus with her sons and kneeled down and asked a favor of him it goes on what is it you want he asked. She said, Grant that one of these sons of mine would sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. I love this story because the sons of Zebedee are James and John. And when you translate the sons of Zebedee, it is the sons of thunder. Now, the sons of thunder needed their mommy to come and ask what they wanted. Helicopter parents are not new. Okay? And so these guys wanted something. Their mother wanted something. They wanted the best for their son. And they asked for it. Now Jesus says this to them. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they answered Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right and at my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Jesus looks at them and says, Guys, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know the level you're going to have to go to to have those spots. Because in my kingdom, those who will be elevated will be those who have sacrificed the most. And this just isn't in his kingdom. Go look at any story that you read. You know who the hero is? The one who sacrifices the most. And so Jesus is saying to them, Listen, if you want that, it's going to be hard. You don't know the level of sacrifice you're going to have to make to go to where those two positions require. Because the greatest sacrifice gets the greatest glory. But now here's the good news. If you're not talented like me, great news is greatness is a journey, not an ability. You don't get born with greatness. You go on a long, hard journey to achieve greatness. It's not a special talent that you have. Some people aren't given the gene of greatness, and others of us aren't. No. Jesus says, hey, you want to be great? Come follow me. Come follow me on a journey. And we'll see what happens. We'll see how far you're willing to go. But here's the reason why we all get stuck. Because we see greatness around us all the time. Greatness is so prevalent that we think, oh, that must be so easy for them. We see the Olympians and we think, oh my gosh, look at what they're doing. That looks so easy. I mean, really in the back of our heads, we're thinking, I could do that. (laughs) That's not that hard. Sometimes we play football, think, I could be playing in in the game tonight. If I wouldn't have had that bad coach, I could have been there. Okay? Go watch a school teacher. Grab the attention and the imaginations of a bunch of elementary kids. You're in the presence of greatness. Man. They make it look so easy. And if you subbed in that same class, those kids would eat your lunch. <laughs> oh, I can do this. Yeah, go try. Greatness isn't found in the things that we do well. Greatness is found in failure and setbacks and kickdowns and getting back up over and over and over again. Your things that you do easy are not at the heart of your greatness. Your greatness will be found by what you commit your life to and do not stop. Jesus is saying, hey, you want to go on that journey? That's the journey I'm going on. If you're going to follow me, this is where we're going. But here's the deal. Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice? Because that's what it's going to take. And I'm afraid that we don't want to sacrifice anymore. and we're blaming it on our faith, it's really our commitment. Jesus goes on and says this, when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. I love that word, indignant. We didn't use that word, it needs to come back often again. You know what indignant means? I'm gonna give you a couple examples if you don't know what it is. If you ever wanted to ask somebody out on a date, but you didn't have the guts, and your best friend asked them out, and they said yes, you were indignant. If you work somewhere and you've been putting in some hard work and all of a sudden somebody new comes in and there's a promotion and the new person goes to the job and you don't get it because you're like, no, they're going to see what I did and they're going to, I don't need to put in for it. They're just going to ask for it. And they get the job indignant. And some of us are walking around indignant right now. We're walking around in bitter right now because we didn't have the guts to go after what we wanted. The disciples are just like us, they were indignant with James and John, because they had the guts to ask for what they all wanted. They all wanted a place of authority, a place of prestige in Jesus' kingdom. It was only James and John, through their mother, who had the guts to go do it. They're indignant. Some of us are indignant. And Jesus goes on to say this. Jesus called them together. They were feuding, they were upset, and he says, okay, i got to sell this down a little bit. You don't do you know that the rulers of, this, of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them? Not so with you. Jesus is about to re teach them what's going to be to go after their dreams. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must become a servant. I got to stop right here. Because if you grew up in church, you've probably read this passage a few times. And here's the deal. All right, my eyes immediately go to servant. And we skip over great. And so what we hear is, Jesus doesn't want us to be great. He wants us to be a servant. That's not what Jesus ever said. He says the exact opposite of that. If you want to be great, this is for you. The focus is on great. I was going to tell you what you need to do to get there. You see, God's not calling for aspirations. He's calling for us to give up our ego. You can have all the dreams in the world. You can make the biggest dreams in the world. Just lose the ego. Just lose the ego. How do you do that? He's about to teach us. He's about to show us. But he's giving us a blueprint for how we can become Great. Many of us look at those who do not have God, who strive for greatness and we're jealous of them. And we say, I wish I could go for that. But I'm a believer and I can't do that. You're lying to yourself. Amen. God never called us to that. He never once said, you've got to play small ball. You've got to live in rooms that are so small that you're the only one in it, so therefore you're the only one that can win. And we keep doing that over and over again. God never said, Leave your dreams and aspirations at my altar. That's a sacrifice He never called any of us to make. He gives us the exact opposite. So if you're here today and you believe your life needs to have meaning, you need to pass you can't pass through this world without making an impression on this world, then listen to what Jesus has to say next: Whoever wants to be first must be a slave. I love this, because in Christian circles, we're not allowed to say we want to be first. What do we say? I want to be second to be third. I'm really holy. I want to be fourth. You know, before I was a Christian, I wanted to be first. But now I'm okay being a loser. That's what we're saying. Because anyone who's not first is a loser. We know that and everywhere else. But in the church world, we go, way to go. So proud of you. And I know what we're trying to say here but it's giving us the excuse not to go after big dreams. And we need big dreams. Jesus doesn't want us to play small. Jesus never played small. So if you're okay with being second if you want to brag in your crowd that hey I'm second, that's great. The rest of this isn't for you. But if there's a part of you, there's a part of you that believes you're okay sticking your head above the crowd, then listen to what Jesus has to say next. Just the Son of Man did not come to be, to be served, but to serve and to give his life the ransom for many. You see, it's simple. Jesus was the goat. Striving for greatness opens our eyes to why Jesus is the goat. If you don't know what the goat is, ask your kids. He's the greatest who ever lived. And he says, if you want to come and follow after me, if you really believe you are my child and that I've saved you and that you're on a journey with me, then you're on a journey to greatness. So put the excuses up and let's go. But what it's going to cost is big. Because it costs Jesus everything. But we can't let the excuse that we don't want to sacrifice to be the reason why we play small. He wants us to play big. He wants us to play in big arenas. He wants us to show off to the world because that's what he did. I can imagine whenever Jesus was in a little, little, I don't know, Jewish school, rabbi school. I don't know what it was. He was in a little thing, and they were going around saying, um, "Billy, what do you want to be?" I want to be a carpenter. I want to be. And they got to Jesus. Jesus, what do you want to be? I want to be the savior of the world. Whoa. That's big. Jesus, what are your aspirations? I want to seek and to save that which is lost. That's how Jesus played. That's how Jesus dreamed. Is that how we're dreaming? Is that how we're thinking? Is that what we're striving for? There's a parallel passage over in Mark. that picks up the story. And now they've gotten to Capernaum, and, and the conversation's still going on, and so this is what it says. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way, they had been arguing about who was the Greatest. You ever been around brothers? You know what most of their fights are over? Who's the greatest? They'll fight over anything. Disciples weren't any different. Here's 12 brothers fighting over who's going to be the greatest. They had the same need in them that we have in us. It's God given to rise above, to get out of the shadows, now look at what Jesus told him. More importantly, look at what he does. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, sitting down, the greatest among them, the goat, took the lowest position. I'm going to show you what I'm about to tell you. Jesus is saying, if you want to be first, you must be last. And a servant to all you see if Jesus wanted to kill the idea of us going after greatness this would have been the place to do it he'd have been you idiots why are you arguing about who wants to be a great That is such a weak thing to argue about but he doesn't do that no he redirects and he says if you want to be great this is what you have to do are you willing to do it Are you willing to follow me on the journey? You see, every great team has to make a decision. How long am I going to serve? And you got to make a decision. How long do I have to serve? Because I can serve for a little while. We can all serve for a little while. But eventually, we're asking this question when do I get served? When do I get taken care of? So At the start of every season, the coach stands before his team and says, guys, if we will put down our individual desires and we will rally around the team, we can be great. We saw that with TCU this year. They didn't, make, they didn't win the national championship, but they should not have ever been in the national championship. You know why? They were a bunch of good players who came together and said, you know what? For the good of all, we are going to sacrifice our own desires, so that we can become the greatest team we can be. And that's what they did. They beat teams over and over again who had way more talent than they did. But here's the problem, and every coach knows this too. We get tired easy. We get tired of serving. We just get tired of putting others' needs ahead of our own. And so we start wondering, is there going to be enough? Am I going to get enough touches? Is my number going to get called enough? Will there be enough headlines to tell my story? Will there be enough resources at the end of the day so that I get what I need and what I deserve? And when that starts happening, every coach knows it's done. That team is over. Because we start worrying about, is there enough? We stop wanting to serve. I love what Coach Gino Oriyama, this quote that he has. Now, if you don't know Coach Gino Oriyama he's a, the women's basketball coach for UConn, and he'll probably retire as the, with the most wins of any basketball coach in college history. He's a phenomenal coach, and he says this, great players don't get tired. He's right. They don't. They want one more practice. They want one more drill. They want one more pass. They want one more play. They want one more game. <clears throat> doesn't matter what their body shape it is in. They want one more. And he also says this, when good players get tired, great players eat their lunch. And he's right. They do. Great players have this drive in them. But here's the deal. That drive is a drive to be number one. And if you don't have that drive, you will not do what it takes. You will not get up off the mat. Because it's too hard. Tiger Woods just announced he's gonna play in a golf tournament to get ready for a Masters coming up. Why? Because Jack Nicholas has more Masters wins than he does. And as long as Jack Nicholas has more Masters wins than he does, it doesn't matter how good Tiger's been. He'll always be number two. And so his drive, he has beaten himself up. The man can't walk 50 feet more or less around a thing. Lots of that's on his own fault. But he has a drive and a thing is, I'm going to give until I die. Because he has a drive to be number one. Because to go down the road to become great, we have to fire that drive. It's too hard. It's too complicated. We won't do it if we don't have it. Let me ask you this Can this drive become bad? Yeah, it can. And we've seen it happen over and over again. People who had the best intentions, who go into it with a servant's heart, who were killing it, get tired. And they get lazy and they see the people around them as a threat instead of healthy competition. And so they look to eliminate them instead of admire them. And if that's where you are right now, if you're seeing threats around you, it's not because you're a bad person, it's because you've gotten tired and you've gotten lazy. And you think, if I eliminate them, then all of a sudden I can still get what I want. It's a fool's dream. We need every single person around us, driving us and pushing us. Because greatness is only found on the outer edges of servanthood. We haven't even imagined how far we have to go. And if you don't have people driving you and moving you and getting you there, you'll never make it. So those who have the same dreams of us, those who have the same aspirations as us, they're not our competition. They're our friends. There's a school in Shiner, Texas. It's a little Catholic school. They are one of the most dominant football teams in Texas history. They have nine state championships. Okay? Some of you don't know, but I was a professional coach for 20 years. I coached in Bryan for 10 of those years. I came to work here, and then I worked at BCS as a coach there. and was Christian coach there for the of the time. Shiner was who we were fighting against. When I say that in a very healthy way, because they were the mark we were all looking to. We know we had to go through Shiner to get to state. Guess what? See anything on 2013? Nope. Beat (laughs) them. 2016, 2017, they're on a run. Look at this, 15, 16. Oh, get to 17. We beat the tar out of them. (laughs) Now, they had been... On a winning streak, they had been undefeated from this season, this season, until they played us in the playoffs, and they had been demolishing teams. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. 16, we had them too. And you're going to say, it was a bad call by an official. No reason why I'm telling you that is because the official called us at the end of the season and said, guys, I missed it. Now here's the cool thing. After completely dominating him in 17. The greatness of the Shiner coach called our head coach and said, Coach, coach me up. That's greatness. He didn't see us as a threat. He saw us as an encouragement to keep striving, to keep getting better, to keep moving forward. Let's learn from each other. Let's encourage each other. Let's keep pushing this thing. That's what the greats do. That's what we have to do. We have to pull as many people along with us on the ride as we possibly can. Because the road's too hard. And we'll never make it if we don't have people around us pushing us, encouraging us, striving for the same things that we're striving for. See, I want to measure my life against the best. And the only way I can do that is to bring the best along. The only way you can do that is to bring the best along. Whatever environment you're in, whatever you're striving for greatness in, don't mark yourself off the little. Mark yourself off the big. Say, that's what I'm going for. Sadly, the term Christian has become synonymous with average these days. I don't like it, but it has. Somehow we kind of believe that if we put God's name on it, He's okay with mediocre. I don't see how that's possible. I don't see how we look at what our Lord did in the creation of the universe, in the diversity of species on the planet, in your brain, and think that God's okay with mediocrity. He's not. He never has been, and he never will be. And so, therefore, we've got to step up our game, not to how we can win here, but how we can win out there. And that's why I love the campaign that you're going to see tonight in the Super Bowl called He Gets Us. Now, let me give you a quick little backstory. He Gets Us um, came about because a group of investors. Uh, who have way more money than I will even think about having a bunch of Christians and they came to um, Bill McKendry who's an ad um, executive who's done ads for American Express he's known for Taco Bell he's known for Five Hour Energy he's a big wig in the, in the ad business and he's a believer and they came to him and said hey we want to rebrand Jesus name because in some circles around this nation Christian is no longer known with love it's known with hate and we need to change that narrative and he said gentlemen i love this idea could have been some ladies in the investment i don't know said hey i love this idea but if we're going to do it we're going to do it right we're going to do it just like i would do any ad campaign and so that's what he went about doing and so there's two i'm going to air tonight i'm going to show one of them to you right now i don't know if this is one of the ones there's several of them you can go on youtube to see the rest of them but you can be looking for them but here's the ad. There was- they played together and laughed together. But they weren't completely alike. And as they grew older, their opinions widened and they distanced from each other. Conversations became heated. Reunions became more and more uncomfortable. They thought they were made for each other. Oh thinking of one another brother aligned against sister never thinking just for one second birthdays she were ignored gathering stopped we because each them. had to be we right don't want them. we don't want there oh no we don't want there we don't want there we don't, want them. We don't that's a great ad it's got all the markings there. you can give it applause i can do it but yeah it's got all the great markings of a great ad the messaging is simple and precise but it's clear the artwork the music it's incredible and it is so moving it touches us if you have this going on you immediately get it and this can go up against any commercial you're going to see tonight. I believe they're playing with the big boys. They said, we're not going to play small. We're going to go to the biggest venue there is for marketing. This is it. The Super Bowl is the Super Bowl for ad agents. And he said, we're going to go compete. Now, here's the backstory. story. He had to get permission to compete. Bill had to go to all the owners because the NFL has a rule that says no religious uh, communication or commercials can be in national televised games. <clears throat> So he had to show them the ads, and he had to ask, hey, can we run these ads? And they all looked at it and said, yes. These are so good, and the messaging is so good. We're gonna say yes. We're gonna change the rule. But from here on out, we'll allow religious organizations to it, but they all have to get approval just like you did. And you are now the gold standard that all them will be held to. If it's not as good as this campaign, they will not get a yes that's shooting big that's playing in big arenas that's proclaiming the name of jesus and saying he is here he is good and he is great so if you're a business owner let's follow their lead lead your industry be the most profitable company out there but every one of your employees better love coming to work every day under promise and over deliver with every one of your clients lead the way in what ethics are going to be in your field if you're in the service industry serve everyone every one of your clients like you're serving Jesus If you work for somebody, you should be the greatest employee they've ever had. You should work as if that business you own. And wouldn't it be so cool if your non believing boss only wanted to hire Christians because of the work ethic that you showed them? We got to change the narrative. We got to retake the name of Jesus, rebrand it for what it really is the greatest love story the world has ever seen. Guys, Jesus never asked for mediocrity, He never wanted it, He never gave you an example of it. So we got to stop giving it in His name. Guys, we have to learn. Learn to not look at the world as our competition, but look and say, if that's what it takes to be great, we're going to get great. And we don't have to leave our faith and our beliefs at the church door to be successful in the world. All the great leaders, all the great companies you see, nobody will be talking about them in 2,000 years, but we're talking about the one who's teaching us how to be great. We don't have to change. We just got to change the environment we work in. So guys, I don't care if you're 90 or 9. Dream big dreams. Dream audacious dreams. Dream dreams like you've never thought about before. Shoot for greatness. Because your Heavenly Father made you for it. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that you've given us an example through your Son about how it was always meant to be. Lord, every single one of us were designed to be great. So Lord, give us the energy to not get tired and to keep serving one another, to keep serving those who don't agree with us, who don't believe what we believe. May we not get tired and may we journey with you, Lord. Let's just see. Let's just see where the journey ends. But Lord, you promise us if we'll come with you on the journey, we'll have a greater life than we ever imagined. So Lord, tramp down our fears. And may we remember that you are the goat. You're the Lord of lords. You're the king of kings. And you call us your child. So may we live up to your name in everything that we do. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. You guys have a great evening tonight. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll see you all next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services.